Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Renoites. My name is Connor McQuivy. I am your host as always. Thank you so much for tuning in. Renoites is the weekly interview podcast where I talk to all sorts of folks from Northern Nevada, some news and politics, some business, nonprofits, arts and culture, a little bit of everything. Today on the podcast, I'm excited to welcome B.B. Flanders from Salsa Reno and the organizer of the Reno Latin Dance Fest that is taking place this coming January, just after New Year's. It's a four-day festival event with workshops, classes, performances, and a ton of social Latin dancing. We had a great conversation about the history of the Latin dance community here in Reno over the last 15 or 20 years. B.B. has been very involved not just in the Reno Latin Dance Fest, but a number of Latin dance events. We talked about the different styles of Latin dance, the health benefits, both physical, mental, and social, of social dancing, and much more. It was great to have him on the show, and looking forward to this event. It seems like a really cool one coming up in the beginning of January. There are also various classes and Latin dance events throughout the city, which you can learn more about at salsareno.com. A quick reminder that this is a community-oriented and listener-funded project. I'm trying to avoid having ads and sponsors just because I find them kind of annoying, but I would like for this show to be financially sustainable, to be viable, to be able to continue existing, and the only way I can do that is with financial support from listeners just like you. You can sign up for even just a few dollars a month. I consider that like the tip jar level. If you would throw a dollar in a tip jar if I was right in front of you, think about signing up to do that automatically. You can do that at patreon.com slash There's also occasional perks. Sometimes I'll post episodes early or have exclusive content for patrons. Please check that out, and I appreciate your support. If you have suggestions for future guests or episode topics, please let me know. Shoot me an email. My address is connor, C-O-N-O-R, at renoites.com. And now this week's guest, B.B. Flanders. B.B. from Salsa Reno. Welcome to Renoites. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, thank you for having me. I'm, I'm, I'm nervous and excited about <laughs> This I don't know if I'm going to spill the tea. I have no idea what's going to happen. So oh, let's just see. You're going to be great. Have you ever done a podcast or like any kind of radio audio stuff before? I've done just the short interviews, morning news, things like that, mm-hmm. but nothing in depth. I really like this format because it lets you have more of kind of a longer conversation. We can just talk for an hour about all the things and you don't have to try to get all your talking points into like two minutes. I was on the local news a few weeks ago and it's a totally different experience trying yeah. to explain what you do in very, very quick answers and being able to follow where the conversation goes. If I follow up questions, I like to be able to actually ask them and explore a little bit. So I think it'll be great. And, and we they, talk, we've talked before too, for an extended period of time yeah. at the farmer's market. Yep, yep. You are from Salsa, Reno. You are a dancer. You do a lot of dance events here in Reno. To start, can you just tell me a little bit about yourself and how you started dancing? Have you always been a dancer? Were you a dancer as a kid? <laughs> what was your like introduction to the world of dance. So I just went to my 35th high school reunion and we were laughing about the fact that I'm doing what I'm doing. And there's no way we'd have guessed that that's what I'd be doing from high school. So no, I wasn't a dancer in high school. I definitely did drama. I did the musicals as a dancer, but also as whatever. And then got involved in performing arts and things like that there. That was my first exposure to performing arts. I thought I was going to head in the direction of music versus dance. I've always been interested in music and I've always enjoyed dancing. It's not something that I I issued. And the thing that got me into the current state of salsa was basically I was working for my dad's company in Pasadena and I had nothing to do with it. And I was walking around Old Town and I walked by this club that had a live 
salsa band and dancers and like the cocktails and all that. Just the whole picture of this beautiful scene. And I'm sure a lot of people have had the same experience. And I was just like, wow, I could I could do this. This mm-hmm. is pretty cool, you know. And from there, it's like, OK, where do we start? And, and so you've got to start with lessons and you take some lessons and things like that. So fast forward to probably 10 years later, I never really got totally into it then. But then I was living in Nevada City, Grass Valley. And a gentleman there, he was teaching salsa and going down to Sacramento and dancing and stuff. And so I finally got the courage and, and whatever to set up myself to go to his classes. And the first class I went to, he announced, I'm going to quit teaching in, in one month. And I was like, no, no, no. <laughs> no. But still, I stuck with it. I danced with him. And then he, he saw that I was naturally pretty good at it. And he's like, hey, why don't you come down to Sacramento with me when I go to dance and stuff? Like, sure. So we started road tripping there. And I started getting exposed there. Fast forward, I met a lady, yada, yada. And her name was Dominique Del Chiaro from Nevada City, Grass Valley. She was like, hey, why don't we start teaching in Nevada City? Since David stopped. And, and I was like, okay. <laughs> and that's how a lot of this happened was like, okay, sounds like fun. We started teaching. And then my brain got into it. It's like, hey, we need to create a curriculum and all this. And I discovered that I really enjoyed teaching. Mm-hmm. And that was a big surprise to me. It wasn't just the dance part, but it was like trying to get someone else to understand what we're doing. Yeah. And, and so that was fun. Yeah. That was fun for you to take something you loved and make it accessible or possible for other people. Yeah. That like the sharing part of it. For me, teaching dance is like a game of chess. It's like, what's the right move for this person? What's going to make it click for that person? So as a teacher, it's really good to teach private lessons, group classes, every different style of teaching because you learn over the long run, how to teach a person. And then eventually you start seeing patterns like, oh, this person needs this or this person needs that. Mm-hmm. And I don't know, it's, it's this magical thing that starts happening when you really just focus in on that person and try to figure out what they need. And so I really enjoyed it. That's what brought me into the whole dance world big time. And then unfortunately that person and I, we split up. I left Nevada City. I ended up in Quincy. Mm. <laughs> I had been in Quincy before, Quincy, California, Feather River College. I went there. And I was there just trying to figure out my life. And I was hanging out at the bar and one of the local guys is like, yeah, you should teach dance here. And I was like, no way. Are you kidding me? He's like, I bet you do good. Hmm. So I'm like, all right, I'll take that bet. But then I was talking to my dad. I'm like, hey, man, I need to get something going along. So when it comes to who supported me the most in the beginning, my dad, he gave me a a loan to start teaching and becoming a professional at this. And so Hmm. I have to thank my dad for that for sure. And so he gave me a loan and I just went at it. And back then we didn't have social media. This is... 18 years ago. Right. And 19 years ago, 18, 19 years ago. So I was really good at doing press releases, putting up flyers, just advertising like crazy. Mm-hmm. And in a town like Quincy, you're a big fish in a small pond. Right. And so the first lesson, it was a four week course. And the first lesson, hundred people showed up. Holy moly. That's <laughs> like, whoa. Were you prepared for that? <laughs> no, <laughs> it was great though. It was like, it was, everyone was pretty stoked on it. Cause everyone was like, wow, this is cool. Yeah. Let's see him handle this. And, and I was able, I I'm able to deal with big group lessons. I've always been good at big group lessons. And so I was able to entertain people and keep them happy. And then we split the class in half. We did like two different hours, hmm. but that was like this big momentum and then my other buddy, just to keep just keep traveling down this this road, he lives in Quincy. And he said, "Like I got to warn you, this isn't going to last. I've seen this happen in Quincy before. Everyone gets into it, and then it just dies off. Mm, like a like, fad, right? Yeah. And he's like, you gotta you gotta start looking outside. And I looked towards Chico, and Chico's just didn't really have it. And then I started looking towards Reno, 
And I just kept coming back to Reno thinking like, oh, maybe, maybe this will work. I was exploring what was going on in, in Reno at that time for salsa and bachata and things like that. Actually, bachata really wasn't a thing yet. So it was for salsa, there was one instructor, I mean Robles, that was teaching one salsa class over at the Ball Marino, which was across the street from Pepper Mill at the time. And there was one social on Thursdays happening at a, at a place called Tequila Rock, which was owned by Eric and Cesar Selmarin, who now run New Millennium in Sparks. Mm. And so that was it. That was the only thing that was happening for salsa. And I just felt like, okay, if I'm going to do this, this is a place that there's a possibility of making it happen. Well, I didn't know how. I just kind of like, okay, I'll just keep going to Reno. Well, back then there was, a, there was an event. There was like a swing event happening at GSR at the time. And they had a little salsa component to it. And so I went to that. And I was still living in Quincy at the time. I went to that. And uh, my ex showed up from from uh, Nevada City. She's like, hey, how's it going? Da, 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 good. And so we went to this one workshop, this salsa workshop, and the instructor was late. And so she's like, hey, man, let me show you this move I learned. It's really cool, right? And so she like shows me the move and I'm like, I learned, I practice with it. And then a lot of the people that were at this workshop were our students, ex-students and stuff. And so they're like, hey, man, it looks like the instructor's not going to show up. You, you guys should teach. And we're like, mm. sure, why not? So we like... <laughs> So we taught, I taught that move. Uh, showed me. I was like, all right, let's, because I didn't, I wasn't ready. I was like, oh, I'll just show that move. So I taught that move. And then at the end, when you finish a workshop, you're like, hey, I'm BB and I'm from Quincy. And soon I'll be teaching in Reno. I just threw it out there, just threw it out there. And Dominic does the same thing. And then after the class, this lady walks up to me and she's like, I just watched the whole thing. I just watched you meet up with her. She shows you the move. You taught the move. You did this totally entertaining class and everything. She hands me her card and says, I'm Amanda Coulson from Reno Dancing Performing Arts. Do you have a place to teach yet? <laughs> and I was like, I don't. And she's like, call me. Oh, nice. I was like, boom. You know, I mean, it was just like magic. And, and that's when it comes to running a business, like you just got to throw it out there and someday something will happen. And so she was the one that gave me my start in Reno. Gotcha. So, yeah. Has it, have you always been interested in Latin dance? I know you said that that kind of first exposure to salsa, but there's all these different dance styles and sometimes they come and go in, in waves and trends, but obviously salsa and Latin dance is your primary focus. It's what you're spending all of your time and energy on. Can you talk a little bit about the different dance styles and what is so special about salsa and Latin dance for you? First off, we should definitely talk about the differences. So there's social dancing versus like performance-based dancing. So you got things like jazz, tap, ballet, all that. Those kind of lump into their own kind of dance world where you're not dancing with a partner. Right. And then you have social dancing or partner dancing, ballroom, salsa, swing. You could just keep going on Latin dancing, all the different swing dances and, and, and ballroom dances. I'm not a ballroom dance instructor, so I can't throw those out there <laughs> off, the, <laughs> off the top of my tongue. For me, I was interested in social dancing. What got me, I'm one of those rare people that I really got into salsa dancing because of the music. Mm. I was a wannabe music major at the time when I first got into it, studying music. Salsa music, to me, it's the perfect marriage of European music and African music coming together in Cuba. You got jazz components. So the music is just, it's so alive. And so that's what got me into salsa dancing. And then, of course, dancing hanging out, dancing with partners, things like that. It's a lot of fun too. I just love the music. Mm -hmm. That was the first thing. At the time when I was getting into it, swing dancing was peaking. But the challenge in the social dance world is it'll go through phases where you'll have more beginners and then more advanced people, more beginners, more advanced people. When it gets to that more advanced level peak, 
it's not really beginner friendly. And so right. when I got exposed to swing, it was at an advanced level peak and it just wasn't beginner friendly. Mm. I was like, I'm just not interested in this. Gotcha. Right? And salsa was moving up in that direction, but it was still open and available. That's probably one of the things that helped me be able to get into salsa dancing was it was available. You mentioned the social aspect and dancing with a partner. And I know we'll talk about the Reno Latin Dance Fest, which is the big event that you do in January. And that has a big social dancing component. Yep. Can you talk a little bit more about the the fun of the social element of dancing? Obviously, there's a lot of technical stuff and the music is fun to listen to. But can you talk about the experience of dancing with a partner, whether it's the same partner a ton of times and you really get to know each other well that way or a lot of these dances you can dance with a stranger if you both know how to do it, right? Yep. Can you talk a little bit about the the social element of the type of dance that you do? Every social dance has to have a structure, right? And there has to be some agreed upon rules. Mm -hmm. And so once you have those agreed upon rules, then you can play around within those rules. So first thing is the basic step, right? Every social dance has a basic step and the rhythm of that basic step. It's the first thing you got to know. And once you understand the rhythm of that basic step, then you have to understand your frame and how to communicate with a partner through your frame. There's always going to be someone who takes on the role as a lead and always someone who takes on the role as a follow. Mm. Traditionally, the men lead and the women follow, but that's totally off the books now. It's just, if you're going to lead, you need to lead. If you're going to follow, <laughs> you need to follow. Otherwise, the agreement doesn't work, mainly because the skill set for a lead is totally different than the skill set for a follow. And also the brain, the way the, the brain works as a lead is totally different than a follow. Hmm. And I can lead far better than I can follow. And then my partner, Kiki, she can follow amazingly. I mean, mm -hmm. it blows me away what I see her be able to do. And it's, it's like the lead is trying to give out ideas on the dance floor and what the lead would like to do. Mm -hmm. And then the follow is trying to interpret what the lead is giving. And it's very magical. It's very healthy. Mm -hmm. They've done some brain studies and they realize that the act of leading and following is it's very, very healthy for brains. Hmm. With a caveat, it can't be the same moves. You have to be creating new moves and pushing yourself to try to do something new and different. Once you get it settled into like the same old routine, it's not doing anything for your brain. Right. That makes sense. Yeah. So so because they did this study on on some older folks and they realized, wow, I mean, this is amazingly good for the brain. Mm. So there's one health aspect for it. But coming back to the experience of leading and following, there's also this like everybody follows different. Everybody leads different. There's a different personality. So if you enjoy being around different personalities, it's a great thing because mm -hmm. every lead is different. Every follow is different. And so the first thing you have to do when you get on the social dance floor is like a minute of just introducing yourself to that person. You'll see some people get on the dance floor and bam, they're doing all these crazy moves. I guarantee those people have already danced together before, right? But if you're dancing with somebody who's never danced before, you have to go through this minute of like communication, understanding each other. What rules are you going by? What rules am I going by? This is how I talk. This is how you listen. And then hopefully you can start doing some of the magic. Yeah, I th think that the kind of nonverbal communication of that is really interesting in that without using words, you suss out how you communicate is that yep and i don't know of other languages that really work that way there's like sign language which is translating words into mm -hmm. movements but this seems a little different where there's not specific words with these movements it's a little more fluid than that would you say yeah i mean there's some standard moves 
that you're building on. So like in salsa, there's something called a crossbody lead where you're taking your partner as a lead, you're taking them across to the other side of your position, right? And within that move, there's all kinds of variations you can do, hmm. like endless variations. But once you understand that standard move and, and the other person follows how you lead that standard move, then you can start throwing in variations. As a lead, the fun thing is when you get that surprise look on the follow's face, like that was cool, uh, right? And then I tell my students, when you get that look, do that, do that move again, right? <laughs> <laughs> like do it again because it was it worked, you know, it right. was cool. Yeah, you mentioned the the mental health benefit, and it does make sense. I'm trying to learn piano too. I've been playing piano for the last year or so, and I've heard the same kind of thing where when you're doing a new physical skill that requires you to think and move at the same time it's just good for your brain to challenge it that way but there's also like the physical health benefit obviously i'm not burning calories playing piano but the times that i have been out dancing i've never done salsa dancing really i don't know a lot of partner dancing but just even at the club or whatever at a concert it is intense physical activity so can you talk a little bit about the physical element and what physical condition you might need to be in can everybody dance salsa if you can walk you can do the social dancing it's what level you're going to, can you take it to? But if you can walk comfortably, you can dance. It's not to say if you can't walk, you can't dance. You can still enjoy it. It's just going to be a different experience, right? right? But if you can walk, you can dance. For the physical part, it, you're definitely going to be in shape. On a personal antidote, I stopped teaching right around the pandemic. And so now we're pretty much just doing promotion for the festival. And I got out of shape, mm. <laughs> like very fast. And it's like, wow. I didn't realize because when you're teaching, you're not really moving around that much, but you're moving around enough and you're doing it for your teaching, usually at least three hours a night. Mm-hmm. And it just was enough to keep me in, in a certain level of, of physical condition. When you go out social dancing, chances are you're going to dance three, four, five songs an hour, right? Or maybe mm-hmm. more, depending on how much you're asking people to dance. Some people are just going for it, yeah, becoming a big old sweaty mess, but <laughs> why not? And so you're getting some really good cardio. Like my, (laughs) I feel bad for Kiki. Like people in Reno who know Kiki, she's been my partner for 15 years. So she's one of the best followers in Reno. And so when we go on social dancing, all the guys want to dance with her because Mm. it's very easy to dance with her. It's just nonstop for like two hours. It's yeah. not, she'll look she at doesn't me get like, a break. yeah, she'll hide when she gets a break. And it's like, I would feel like saying to guys like, guys, give her a chance to just breathe. But, but she loves it. Mm-hmm. So it's like, cool. So really from a physical aspect, it depends on how much you want to take it or where you want to take it to. And also just how much you dance. If you really do get into it, so you're taking classes twice a week and then you're social dancing once a week, you can get some pretty good cardio mm-hmm. from that. And I've seen some of the more advanced stuff is there's throws. There's like, you have to be able to lift people. You have to be able to flip people over. I There's a lot of more than just moving your feet around, right? Can you talk about kind of the, the even more advanced levels and the physicality that goes into that? Absolutely. So people will ask me, are you, so you're a professional dancer or you're a dance instructor? And I say, no, because I have too much respect for the people we hire for the festival. <laughs> it's like, I'm not even close to that level. They are insane in shape and the moves they do are crazy the technicality to be able to do it is is amazing so when you're taking it to that level you one you just have to have a good physical condition right two you have to really understand the music understand the actual dance and also understand what you and your partner are trying to do so usually when you see the flips and tricks and stuff it's a choreographed piece mm. it's not social dancing right we, we frown upon people doing tricks and lifts and stuff like that in the social dance world because you're going to 
a leg's going to go flying. It's going to hit something in the head. It's like, right. don't do that. Anymore. Yeah. But when it comes to the performance aspect, absolutely. You know, you see some crazy lifts and tricks. There's this guy, Osmar Peronis. He runs the Yamale Dance Company in New York. I don't know his age, but I know he's older than me. <laughs> and he's still doing like lifts and tricks and all that. And at our last festival, we did contribute to him where a lot of the pro dancers learned his choreography and like we surprised him with his choreography oh, nice. and he was in the audience. He was kind of like, well, it's crazy. But the hilarious thing is behind the scenes is the, the pros, they were like, oh my God, this is like really hard stuff. Mm. Like this is insane what he's doing. And so it just, everyone gained a certain level of respect for him because it was like, this choreography is just crazy. Even like he had a merengue routine and merengue is a pretty simple dance. If you want to make it simple. And even that, the people are like, this is really hard. Like, this is crazy. <laughs> so when it comes to doing this dance, you can, like I said, it's all about like what level you want to take it to. But if you are going to take it to that level of, if you're like, hey, I want to become a pro dancer. I want to be doing these lifts and tricks. I want to be doing this choreography. There's possibilities. There's people doing that here in, in Reno. You want to make sure if you're going to do that, that you are approaching it like an athlete. Like I'm going to do my training. I'm going to make sure that I'm stretching. I'm really being careful because you can get injured. So you want to make sure that you're really approaching it like a sport and you can, you can take any dance. You can take it to that level, any social dance, any non-social dance, of course. Dancing seems to come in waves of popularity. And I know in the last like 10 or 15 years, there's so many dance TV shows. There's dancing with the stars. There's, so you think you can dance. So these, there's performance, there's these choreographed ones. There's a lot of attention, I think on dance just as a, a pop culture phenomenon in different periods. Can you talk a little bit about that? What have you seen? You've been dancing in Reno and in this world for a long time. Can you just talk a little bit about the kind of trendiness of dance and how that's affected the work that you do and what you think of the comings and goings of interest in dance? I mean, we're grateful for those shows yeah, right? <laughs> because it, it creates interest. It, it creates interest and also can create challenges because sometimes it creates these unrealistic expectations. But we're also grateful because it just creates interest. Having interest in dances, it's so helpful. There's this guy, Edgardo Cambon. He runs a couple different salsa orchestras over in San Francisco. And someone asked him that question like, oh, can you talk about the trendiness of, of salsa? I can only really talk about salsa because that's what I know. They asked him that and he said, it's always been here. We're always been here and it's always been trendy. And that's one thing that keeps salsa so strong is because it's really supported by the Latinos. There's other dances that come and go. You'll see swing dance come and go. You see other things come and go. And I tell people like, okay, that's a cool dance. Cause we're always interested in like, what are we going to bring in to the festival now? Right. And for me, it's like, there'll be dances that come in and they're trendy, but they don't have a cultural support mm -hmm. here, like on the West coast of the United States. And I'm like, I don't think it's going to last where like, with salsa, bachata, cumbia, merengue, you can listen to the radio station and you can hear those songs being played. You know, you get some of the other stuff and it's like, I'm not hearing that on the radio station. I'm not hearing a support mechanism. It's great to have the trend. And I think that I'm very lucky to be a part of the salsa industry because it has that cultural support as well. Yeah. And I'm very aware of that, that cultural support. Mm -hmm. I'm very grateful for it. Yeah. Hey there, listeners, I'm interrupting the show just for a moment because we're talking about live events and I do live events about once a month or so. I do a live episode taping at Black Rabbit Mead. Those events include a normal episode of Renoites, an interview with a guest, plus audience Q&A, 
Black Rabbit Mead has delicious drinks and food. Patrons, I will buy your first drink if you want to come to the live tapings. I do this about once a month, and there is one coming up this coming Thursday, October 26th. I will be talking with some of the players from UNR's Women's Ultimate Frisbee team. We'll learn about the sport of Ultimate Frisbee and what that team is up to. Should be a lot of fun. I'm looking forward to meeting them and having that conversation, and I hope I will see you there. You can find out about that episode and more by following me on Instagram. That's at Renoites on Instagram, where I post the details of all of those upcoming live episodes about once a month. And now, back to this week's episode. I remember I was, I think, probably in high school when Swing had a a big moment, Mm -hmm. and there were like a couple bands that played Swing music, new popular bands, and it was a thing for a minute, and then I don't know anyone who makes swing music or dances swing yeah. in a very long time now. I'm sure that there still people are, but I understand that kind of the cultural connection there is really important and it sustains yeah. it. Can you talk a little bit about that here in Reno, like the the Latino community and their connection with the dance community and kind of your experience here in Reno with that? Sure. I don't even know where to start. <laughs> <laughs> Just because I have so much respect for so many people have done so much for the dance the Latino community, the, the, the arts, the culture. There's no way I'm going to be able to remember everybody's names. I've been doing this for 17 years in Reno. So right. it's like the people, when I started the Nevada Hispanic Heritage Group, I don't know what, what mm. it was called. They were doing a Cinco de Mayo thing in this park. I got involved there and they were interested. They're, here's this white dude. What, what are you doing? Like doing salsa. And, and they, But they respected the fact that like, I'm going for it. I've got a booth at their event and we'd be playing music and dancing. They're like, all right, this is cool, you know. But when it comes to the support. So Reno, there's a couple things. Reno has had Latinos here for a long time, right? There's some key players that helped me out. One of the key players is Caesar and Eric Salmoran. Now it's the New Millennium Nightclub over in Sparks. They ran the Tequila Rock, and then it moved over to what was called Coco Boom, which is now where Midtown is, right across the street from Chewy's and and Finbar. There's like a coffee shop and all that. That whole building used to be a nightclub. Oh, I think that I knew that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It was like, it was a country club before it became the Latino club, hmm. and so they supported the salsa dance scene. When I first came here, there was like nothing as far as salsa was concerned. It wasn't nothing, but it's like you couldn't go to a club and get salsa. It was going to be Donaginze or Banda or different Latino music, but it wasn't what we were doing. And so it was, it was challenging. You beg the DJ and you get like one salsa. And I, oh, we got our salsa. Yes. I, I was teaching here and up in Truckee and I had about 160 students. This is 17 years ago. And I needed a place to do a social in Reno. And so I approached them and said, Hey, can we do a social here? Like on a Thursday night, like when you're not busy because they, they make money on the other nights. And they're like, yeah, sure, we'll give it a shot. And then I wanted to do the social at Coca Boom. And I wanted to get like a, a, a sponsorship logo on it. Okay. And, and so I approached this guy that I'd met before, William Portillo. At the time, he was marketing director and manager, sales manager of Miller Brewing Company. And I was like, man, I just want to get a logo on the flyer. I don't want a sponsorship, nothing. I just want to throw it because I think it'd look cool to have a logo on the flyer. And he asked me, he's like, how many people do you think you're going to come? How many people can you guarantee? to be there. And I said, 30. And he looked at me and he's like, just because you said that, I'm going to do it. Because every other promoter in town would say like 2,000. And I know they're lying through the teeth because nothing <laughs> gets 2,000 here, right? He's like, all right, let's do it 30. Why not? You know. And so I get the logo on the flyer. We do the event and 200 people show up. 
And he's like, all right, you know, now we're talking. And then Eric and Caesar were stoked too. Like, holy cow, we didn't expect that, you know? And they're, they're like, let's do it again. Okay. The cool thing, here's one cool thing that I learned working with William Portillo is that all these companies have a specific marketing budget for the Latino population. And you want to know why Cinco de Mayo is so big is because none of these companies know what to do with that money. So they just dump it on Cinco de Mayo. <laughs> and so he's like, hey, we got this budget and I got an idea. And so he created this idea called Cafe Taboo. I want to go to a different restaurant every Saturday or a different venue every Saturday for like 12 weeks or something like that. And the only requirement was five bucks to get in, which back then was high. Five bucks to get in or you buy a Miller Chill and you get in for free, right? <laughs> that was his way to like get some sales. Right. And, and I learned a lot working with him. It was great. So we did this 12-week thing. And the final event we did, we wanted to end it with a bang. And we did it over at the Siena, which is now, what is that? The Renaissance. The Renaissance. Oh, yeah. Now the Renaissance. And we did it in their ballroom upstairs. We brought in a live orchestra. I'm not sure if we brought some dancers in from out of town. And 600 people showed up. And... The whole time we were collecting emails, like collect emails, collect emails, collect emails. We got to create this. So yeah, I learned a lot from William Portillo. One was just being consistent with your advertising. Miller Chill, Miller Chill, Miller Chill. Because the hilarious thing, Miller Chill is like this, I don't even know if it's around anymore. I, I don't think, I haven't it, heard it of was it. Like, so. It was like the salt and lime is in the beer type of thing. Oh, okay. And by the end of that period, people are like, hey, you know, I kind of like this Miller Chill. And I was like, you got to be kidding me. <laughs> and, like, and he's like, it's just consistently, it's yeah. consistency. And so I learned like, be consistent with your advertising and be regular and, and eventually it'll catch on. Mm -hmm. I think it was like $16,000 that was in that budget that was spent on this. And that just created this big boom of support and this momentum for the dance. And then at that point, there was a place called the Pearl Champagne Lounge over at GSR. EJ, he's a DJ here. EJ and the, and the owner, they showed up to one of our events and we're like, hey, we're looking for like a Latin night. Let's do it. And so we did this Thursday nights at GSR. And this is, this is when things became epic because it was Thursday nights. It was free. We would do a lesson from like, I don't know, 7.30 to 9, 9 o'clock. And then we'd dance until 2. It was this moment in Reno where it wasn't, where are you going to go out tonight? It was like, are you going out? Because we'll see you at Pearl for the Latino and, and the people who love salsa. Yeah. We would get 150 people for the lesson and another 150 people afterwards hmm. for the social dance every Thursday. Some nights went to like 800 people. It was just this moment where just everybody was just completely stoked on salsa, bachata, cumbia, merengue, because it's a different genre. That became this cool thing. One of the things that opened my eyes to Reno, because I'd heard things, one of, this, one of the older ladies came up to me and she was kind of had tears in her eyes. And she's like, I really got to thank you for this. I'm like, sure. Yeah. Like we're partying. It's great. She's like, no, no, no. This is the first Latino event in a casino for like 20 years. I was like, what? And she's like, yeah, we've been, we were banned from the casinos. Like, Why? And she's like, something happened. So the story is that some promoter brought some band up in South Lake and it wasn't really well managed and didn't have very good security. And they just destroyed the casino, you know, mm. all the casino owners, mm. they talked to each other and like, yeah, okay, we're not doing that. That's out. And so I don't know if that's how true it is. Like I did this, but it was like just this moment of like, I think everyone was just ready for that to happen again. And so it's one of those proud moments for me of like, wow, I actually did something that was good for the community, yeah. <laughs> you know? Like, and then, and then of course, unfortunately the company that 
owned that nightclub. It wasn't GSR. It was like another private company. They didn't know what to do with us at GSR. So they put us at the pool for the summer, which was, and which was just this epic moment where it's like, what do you want to do? It's like, we're dancing in Hawaii for the summer. But I knew that I just kept watching what was going on at GSR. And it's like, they're not creating a space. The, mm. the space isn't going to happen. And at that point in time, that was when Edge Nightclub had opened. And it had been around for a couple of years. And Brian Kurgan, who was, he was the manager of Edge, he had popped his head in a couple of times to check it out. And, and so I was talking to my buddy and this is the buddy from Quincy. And he's like, let's just cold call him, man. Let's just walk into his office and just talk to him. I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and we just did. We we're like, hey, man, so here's the idea. And he's like, okay, it's either going to work or it's not. So let's do it. And I was like, all right. So all of a sudden we're at the Edge Nightclub and we were there for 10 solid years. For oh, Friday wow. nights. Yeah. And so that... Yes, 10 solid years and teaching lessons every Friday for beginners. We did some napkin math and we figured that I've probably taught close to 20,000 people the basic step for salsa in in Reno. (laughs) It's like crazy. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So at these events, often you teach people the step to the beginning. So it's very beginner friendly. And I know there's like line dancing. You have that same kind of format sometimes where you show up, you learn the steps and then you just get to have fun. Is that a big part of bringing people into dancing is making it accessible and easy for people who have literally never done it before? 100%. You have to. If So from the business aspect, if you're not bringing in beginners, you always have the atrophy, people that fall off. So you're just going to end up with nothing in the mm. long run. So you always have to be beginner friendly. If you're not beginner friendly, I, I see instructors who aren't beginner friendly and I'm like, what are you doing, man? Like, like that's that's where it's at. I had a guitar instructor from a long time ago and he's like, so what do you want to do? You want to teach something like that? And he's like, if you're going to teach, you better like the beginners because beginners where the money's at. And that just stuck in my head forever. Mm -hmm. Like, so being beginner friendly is hugely important for two reasons. One, just from being a kind person and like welcoming people to the event and trying to have fun with the community. And, And so Absolutely. It's way more fun. And then two is that those are the people who are going to eventually take lessons from mm. you. If you're interested in getting into dance, you definitely want to go and experience these free lessons and experience them from the aspect of one, do I like this dance? Mm-hmm. <laughs> do I like this music? Two, do I like this instructor? Right. On a personal level, because if you're going to take classes from someone for a year, you better like that person. <laughs> you, right. know? you better enjoy being around them. <laughs> yeah. So. Do you, do you as a teacher enjoy working with beginnings? I mean, you've been dancing a long time. 100%. You're very good. Do you like working with people who are just learning the steps? I would wager to say that I'm one of the best at teaching a, what, what I call a beginner party lesson. I love it. It's just fun. The people that are coming, one, you have to break the ice. Two, you have to just get people to try it and go for it you're in a spot where it's like you're half instructor, half entertainer. And we're in the entertainment industry. If you're a dance instructor, you're in the entertainment industry. And if you don't approach it like that, you're not going to be successful. Yeah. You're, you have to entertain. So when you have people coming to take that class, you need to understand that these aren't dancers coming to take your class. These are people who have day jobs. They have all kinds of life issues. And what they're looking to do is escape it. They're looking for something to just have a moment of just enjoyment. Right. And if you're not delivering that, 
they're gone. Yeah, I mean, it has to be fun. I can't imagine yeah. going to a beginner dance class and it just being hard and not fun and then wanting to go back, right? You'd be surprised. I see instructors destroy people and it's like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing? Uh, so the, the events that you've done have grown into this Reno Latin Dance Fest, which yeah. I know is now over at, is it Silver Legacy at the Row? Yeah, so it's been at Silver Legacy for... 15 of the 16 years. Mm-hmm. What does that event look like? I know it's it's four days and it has a lot of the components that we just talked about, right? There's yep. there's lessons, there's performances, there's social dancing. Can you describe what someone would experience coming to the, the fest? So let's see. If you were an advanced dancer and you were on a dance team, what you would experience is you would come in and you would be practicing to perform on our stage. We're very fortunate to be at the Silver Legacy we get to use their entire stage down at the Grand Expo Hall. We have professional lighting. We run it like a, as close to a theatrical show as we can. And that just doesn't happen at most dance festivals mm. because it's just, it's not cost effective to do it. It's, it's, it's just challenging. We try to give those dancers an experience of being on a, a real stage. Mm. And so they're going to come in. They're going to be practicing with their team. They're going to go through tech rehearsal where that's their first chance of being on the, the big stage, quote unquote. And they get to experience the lights. Cause it's, it's like all of a sudden spotlights are on, boom, right. like, Whoa. Then they really get ready and they put on their costumes, makeup and everything. And they come downstairs for the show and they do the show and it, they just have a great time. Then after that, they're going to social dance and party because it's like big old relief. If you're a beginner dancer, you could come in and there's a lot of beginner workshops, beginner friendly workshops. And there's also a beginner you can say beginner boot camp, a beginner foundations boot camp you can take on top of it. The goal behind that is to just give you some foundations and also give you some people to hang out with at the festival because mm. it's a big event. Last year, there was 3000 people throughout the weekend. And so you can get lost in it, but we do as much as we can to make it fun for beginners. Mm-hmm. Some festivals, you would think of a dance festival like, oh, if I can't dance, I can't participate. When it comes to ours, we really want to make sure that People who are new, they can participate. They can enjoy it. So we have what we call a mixed music party room where there might be cumbia, there might be hip hop, there might be just craziness. There's hosted parties there. And so if you're a new dancer, say I'm dancing bachata and I'm a new dancer, I got five moves, right? I go into the bachata room and I dance those five moves with like 10 different people danced out, Mm -hmm. right? Most festivals, that's it. You're going to bed, right? There's nothing else to do. Luckily, we're at the Silver Legacy. There's a party going on outside the party, right? Right. So there's tons of stuff to do. But as soon as you walk out of the bachata room, you walk right into the mixed music room and it's like crazy party. Oh, hey, I can just hang out here and have Mm. some fun with people here. So that's our big biggest goal is to always try to make sure that people feel like they can participate and, and they're welcome. There's different levels of participation. There's also instructors that come in. They're participating, they're either teaching or they're performing. But if I was going to say something to the Reno people, I would say this is something I would like Reno to be proud of. I'm very grateful that we're at the Silver Legacy. The Silver Legacy supported us for a solid 15 years. And if it wasn't for that support, we wouldn't exist. It just wouldn't exist. There's been some rough years and now it's getting good. And so I really appreciate the people at Silver Legacy that, you know, Shout out to them, (laughs) Meg, Jen, some of the other people just, they've really done a lot to keep us alive as a festival. The Reno Latin Dance Fest, currently it's the largest 
Latin dance festival on the West Coast, surprisingly. Right? Yeah, there's more than anything in California. Yeah, there's all kinds of stuff. And I don't think that'll last. For, I don't know if that'll last forever. It's just with trends and, and mm-hmm. stuff. We're kind of riding that wave right now. It has a lot to do with different things, but, you know, some stuff fell apart in L.A. and some stuff fell apart in, in San Francisco. They're regrouping. It's coming back. But because we can offer what we offer here in Reno, mm-hmm. we're able to have a, a dance festival in Reno where it's not at an airport hotel. So most dance festivals are at airport hotels. It's a very dry environment. There's nothing really going on, right? Yeah. We're at the Silver Legacy, the row. There's just all kinds of things happening outside the festival and then there's the festival and we have the mm. support from the casino to create this event and yeah. so people are starting to recognize that in the latin dance scene and so now we have people contacting us from other parts of the united states like hey we want to come mm. and it's like whoa okay cool like let's make this happen yeah. and so i want reno to be proud of it it's like even if they don't even come they just need to know that the reno latin dance fest is easily one of the top 10 latin dance festivals in the united states arguably in the top three once you get there it's like your own preference right mm-hmm. and i just want reno to be proud of it just know like hey man this is happening in reno it's a pretty awesome event yeah how's it grown and changed in that time at the silver legacy right like from when you started to what you're doing now what's the experience been like over the course of oh man that time <laughs> i mean if you want to have a lifelong purpose and a challenge try to do a, a festival mm-hmm. uh, any kind of event like this because you're going to lose money for like a while. <laughs> mm. We didn't walk into the festival positive until the ninth year. Meaning like when I say walk into the festival, we walk into the first day of the festival. For eight years, we walked into the first day of the festival in a negative mm. financially. And that is so scary and tiring. And, and it's like you're, you're, you're surviving by the skin of your teeth or not. I mean, one year we lost $50,000. It's like you can just eat it hard. But we kept going. We talked about this earlier, where like, if you stick with something, you're eventually going to become that. And if you can stick with it, we had the support of the Silver Legacy. We kept doing it and it grew. So in the beginning, the very first festival happened by accident. I hope for it, GSR, 200 people. Back then it was known as the Reno Bachata Festival. A little bit of history. The Reno Bachata Festival was the first Bachata dance festival in the United States. Huh? Yeah. And there was a bunch of people that were at that festival that started their own festivals in different cities. Oh. And so it was like the seed bank or something. Oh, that's cool. just happened. It was a cool moment for the Latin dance world. And so trending, that was when Bachata started trending. So the first year, 200 people. Second year, 600 people. Third year, 1,500 people. And it was partly because we were one of the few Bachata festivals in the United States and partly because it was at the Silver Legacy. Then it started leveling out for a while. We just kept sticking with it and kept focusing on good customer service. What is it that we're doing? And now it's up to about 3000 people. Bachata dance became trendy basically. Mm. And, and it's still trendy. It's still trending. So it's nice to have a dance that's trending, but we also do salsa and their salsa element of the Latin dance festival is growing fast. The other element that's growing fast is the cumbia. Mm. There's another thing I'm proud of is that in the Latin dance world, when we first started, it was just salsa. So 20 years ago, we didn't use the word Latin dance. It was a salsa night. And back then, when the DJ wanted to take a break, he'd play a bachata. Mm. (laughs) And you'd get one bachata in a night. We forced the salseros to bring bachata in. Well, the same thing happened with cumbia for us. There's a large community of cumbia dancers in Reno. And I recognized that early on, with with way back in the day of the Pearl Champagne Lounge, like we got to bring in cumbia. 
So now we do what's called a cumbia power hour. We bring in a DJ that knows the real Mexico City style cumbia and it is jam packed. That's in the mixed music room. It is. Mm -hmm. And they are like going for it. You want to see some cumbia dancers like going for it. It's like, (laughs) oh my God, this is kind of intense. But they're stoked because like they get to do cumbia in a salsa and bachata festival. Right on. Now it's getting to the point where we we have to start figuring out. We're running out of space, basically. Mm, yeah, that was going to be my next question is where where are you going from here? What are the plans or how do you hope to continue and grow? And what's the next 15 years? <laughs> <laughs> that's a very that's a very big question. What's the next few years? We'll do right, that one. The next two years. I know. Oh, my gosh. Well, we're contracted with Silver Legacy for at least two more years. It's the minutiae. You, you, you're trying to figure out what you need to fix. And you're also trying to figure out what you need to add. And just slowly grow it. We're trying to do a slow growth method right now because we just want to, I mean, we're super grateful for what we have and we just want it to keep going because <laughs> we've seen it get yanked, right? I mean, when the, when the when the pandemic hit, it just got yanked. It was like, bye, you're no longer doing this. Right. And so it's like, okay, I'm super grateful for what we have and hopefully we can keep going. We're trying to grow the salsa component a little bit more. There's different aspects of salsa. There's New York style, Mexico City style, Colombia style. And one that we're trying to get to grow at our festival is Cuban style. Hmm. And Cuban style would be bigger if it wasn't for all the embargoes and stuff. Hmm. Yeah. Interestingly enough, in Europe, Cuban style is very big because the Cubans never got barred from going to Europe. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So here it's very challenging. So just little tweaks here and there and just keep growing. We might need to grow and move into a new space. There's rumors of new spaces being built here in Reno. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we haven't quite maxed out the space at, at the row. So, you know, we can't justify moving to a larger space until we max out that space. Yeah, that makes sense. And I know there's some other other local events. I know that Reno Public Market does a bachata brunch on Sundays. Yep. We're recording this before you and your guests there, but this episode will be out shortly after that. Can you talk a little bit about that event and similar that are going on in Reno too? Sure. So the Pachata Brunch is hosted by the Reno Empire and the Sierra Event Group. DJ Arboogie, he was our DJ at Edge for like a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know, eight, seven or so of the years that we were there. For us, we're trying to guest on occasion at different places just to support the event, support the community. Because right now we're not teaching or hosting events right now, except for the Reno Latin Dance Fest. Mm. We pulled away and people are kind of like, hey, help us out a little bit here. Kind of still be part of the community. Like, yeah, sure. Absolutely. The Reno Public Market is doing a bachata brunch once a month. The lesson is like at 1230. So it's like from 12 to 3. Mm. And there'll be a beginner friendly lesson at 1230. And then there'll be music. The cool thing about the Reno Public Market, if you haven't been there, there's food, there's a bar, and it's all ages. It's kind of a cool scene. And then we get to do this cool little dance scene inside a nice situation. The Reno Public Market is pretty cool. Yeah. Then another event that's happening is on Thursdays, on occasion, on Thursdays at Cypress in Midtown. And that's hosted by Jerson Chavez, Tiempo Latino Dance Company. And you can definitely check that one out. He does a beginner friendly lesson and dancing. I like the space there for social dancing. It's a really nice space. Mm-hmm. There's another one that Jerison hosts over at the Grand Sierra Resort at Lex Nightclub on Friday nights. Same thing. He does a lesson and then they do social dancing. Social dancing is usually about two hours mm-hmm. and then it usually transitions. And then the last one is Mariah and Andrea Burkhart 
of Embrace Dance Company, and they do things over at a restaurant called La Fonda. If you're interested in any of this, just go to salsareno.com and you can sign up for our newsletter. There'll be two options, one for the Reno Latin Dance Fest and one for Salsa Reno. And we're attempting to put out a, a once a month email newsletter of like all the Latin dancing in Reno. Mm. And it's not perfectly once a month, but we're trying, we're trying to keep it going once a month. Not just talking about events, but also talking about places you can go and study, take classes. And then also if they have auditions for dance teams, there'll be beginner dance teams, things like that. So since I went down that road, if you're interested in this stuff, what would I recommend? I would recommend going to one of these drop-in classes at one of these events, one of these socials, just taking those classes for a little bit, seeing if you like it. If you like it and you want to get good, you have to study at a dance studio. Mm -hmm. Not going to get what you need at a, at what I call a party lesson. You're just going to get a little bit, but if you do like it, go to the dance studio, start studying there, but then go social dancing as much as possible. Mm -hmm. Like do both. And then if you're like, oh, I want to get way into it. I want to perform. There's opportunities for jumping in on amateur dance teams here and performing. And you could perform at the Reno Latin Dance Fest. Yeah. And we didn't talk about the social dancing at the Reno Latin Dance Fest very much, oh, but yeah. <laughs> it's, it's an all night thing, right? So there's the performances and the workshops, and then it's till like six in the morning, just go wild, right? Can, yeah. you, can you talk about that, that part of the Dance Fest? So the Reno Latin Dance Fest on paper, it's workshops, dance workshops and classes during the day. There's shows in the early evening and then after the shows are over there's social dancing until four in the morning on thursday and six in the morning on friday saturday and sunday and it really like there's really honestly 500 people still social dancing at mm -hmm. six in the morning wow i'm not there now i'm in the middle <laughs> i go to sleep early because i have to get up and run the thing but the, the, i get the reports and it's like there's still 600 people and it's so funny. The only reason we stop at six is because we have to let the cleaners come in from the hotel and clean the ballroom. Right. <laughs> otherwise, it just goes 24-7. Yeah, otherwise, it's a total mess the next morning. And people really do social dance. We get a lot of people from out of town. I would say 20% of the people at the Reno Led Dance Fest are from Reno, and the rest hmm. are from out of town. And so they're they're stoked. It's, it's, it's like a Mardi Gras for them because Reno... There's no last call. You're able to like lose it a little yeah. bit. And people are like, they're cool. They're, yeah, whatever. We've seen that. You're not losing it compared to the stuff we see. Mm -hmm. And so they get a little excited and they like to party all night long because nice. they just don't get to do it at other places. And so, yeah, people will, when they have their hotel room, they'll, they'll go dancing a little bit. They'll go back to the hotel room, hang out a little bit, go back dancing. And it really does happen that much. If you are interested, definitely get in touch with some of these local dancers and stuff because at some point in time some of these local dancers they'll have some free thursday night passes for reno people to mm. uh, come and check it out it's mainly because we want reno people to just come check it out and see what it is because it's so hard to describe what we do mm -hmm. <laughs> but it really is pretty awesome <laughs> yeah what did we miss what else do you want people to know about the world of latin dance or the events or or anything else man i mean i i could just keep blabbing i hope i haven't blabbered too much but um <laughs> you know the the Here's something that's really cool is there's people that like to go travel around and, and check out different things. If you learn salsa and bachata and you learn the foundations to it, now you can dance in actually almost every country in the world. You can find a salsa and bachata scene. Hmm. I was going to say, well, except for Iran, but actually we've heard that there's underground salsa scenes in Iran too. So my wife, she's Ethiopian. 
there's a salsa scene in the capital city of Ethiopia. Hmm. Whenever we go there to visit her family and stuff, they're like, hey, come hang out. And we're like, okay. (laughs) It's a skill that if you learn, you'll be able to take it anywhere. So the concept of lead and follow translates to basically every social dance. So when it comes to swing or any ballroom dance and stuff, I've taken my salsa and my bachata to a certain level to where I can fake those other dances. Like I understand how to lead and follow. You show me the basic step. I can fake it and have some fun just as a beginner. I'm not going to do anything brilliant, but I can definitely kind of dance somebody that dance for a song. So learning the skill of social dancing is it should be on your social card of like, hey, as a person, I need to learn how to social dance because it's going to translate to something I can use just anywhere in the world. Excellent. When is the Reno Latin Dance Fest and how do people learn more and get tickets and all that? All right. So the Reno Latin Dance Fest is January 4th through 7th, 2024. So it's right after New Year's. You can get tickets at www.renolatindancefest.com. It'll say save 10%. Click on that. That'll put you on our email list and then you'll get a 10% discount. Highly recommend checking it out. Even if you only come for one night, you can buy single evening passes. You can buy a full pass. You can buy an all evening pass if you just want to come party. And if not, just check out some more videos on social media, social media. We're on Instagram, Reno Latin Dance Fest. We're on Facebook, Reno Latin Dance Fest. Oh, and we're also on YouTube, Reno Latin Dance Fest. YouTube is a good place to see the show videos. And you'll see all kinds of other videos on, on Instagram, but that just gives you kind of an idea of what we do. It's not like the perfect idea. It's like I said, it's hard to describe it. That's why I want people to come. Excellent. Well, thanks for coming on the show and talking about it. It was great to meet you not that long ago at the uh, farmer's market. At the farmer's market, and we talked about a lot of this stuff. I can't remember how we got connected. Someone recommended you for the show. Yeah, someone said, cool. I said, I'm always looking for guests. And someone sent a message and said, Oh, you got to talk to the folks from the Reno Latin Dance Fest. And I had a great conversation with you at the market. And it's great to have you on the show and learn more about all of this stuff with dance because I have very little experience in social dance, but it's exciting to hear it. And especially when you talk about it being a skill that you can take places. I've been to Mexico a a number of times and I went to a a huge event in Huchitan that had tons of dancing and it sucked that I wasn't able to (laughs) really keep up. I learned a couple basic steps, but I really just couldn't do it because I didn't have that practice or that experience. You, I couldn't just pick it up in a day. And that's a little bit of a regret that I wasn't able to fully participate and fully enjoy such an amazing party because I just didn't have that basic skill. So I appreciate you bringing that part up too, because now it's making me think, okay, well, I should, I can learn the basics, right? If you're going to go to Mexico, learn cumbia. Right. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. It was really great to talk to you and yeah, looking forward to the fest. Thank you. Yeah. Hopefully you'll make it. And all the Renoites out there, it's really cool to have this podcast. I've been around Reno for a while, and it's nice to have a podcast that's bringing together Reno a little bit. And and, uh, I've been enjoying some of your other episodes. So thanks for having me, and hopefully someone got something out of it. Listeners, thank you so much for tuning in to this week's episode of Renoites. And a special thanks to my guest, BB, for coming on the show. Great to learn about the history of various Latin dance events here in Reno and the upcoming Reno Latin Dance Fest. Again, you can learn more about that at renolatindancefest.com. If you enjoyed this episode or any others, please do me a favor and help spread the word. I know I say this every week, but word of mouth means everything for a project like this. Last week's episode with our city manager, Doug Thornley, was one of the most downloaded, in fact, the most downloaded, of the entire series so far, over 120 episodes, and a big part of that was because people shared it. 
So if you enjoyed this episode, please do me a favor, hit that share button on any social media posts, send links to your friends and family, get the word out that this show exists. That makes a huge difference for its ability to continue existing. And that's all I've got for you this week. See you this Thursday for our live event at Black Rabbit Mead and a regular episode next Tuesday. Have a good one.